It's great to know those people who seem to be able to see through the fog of life, who, who seem to be able to look into the situation and evaluate it and know precisely what to do. Some folks have that knack, but some of us don't. And it's interesting to watch, especially as we enter a campaign season, how people procrastinate. Prognosticate and, and say this is what's going to happen or here's what's going to happen and how many folks but it illustrates the fact that there are some people they have keen insights they know exactly what needs to be done and how to get it done and we say those people are wise those people are shrewd in the New Testament, Jesus tells us that when it comes to serving him, we need to be shrewd. And yet Jesus says this in a parable, a story about a man who, quite frankly, was rather dishonest. And Jesus says, we need to be shrewd. And so when we think about Luke chapter 16 and the story that Jesus tells of the unfaithful manager, the manager's boss, the manager's master says, you've been unfaithful and yet you are shrewd. And Jesus says that we as Christians, as his followers, need to be shrewd. And that's confusing to us because here is this dishonest man. In what sense is Jesus saying that we need to be shrewd like that man? We want to look at this story in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, of the unfaithful steward. Some Bibles may have it captioned as. But we want to look at the story, understand what Jesus is saying. So first, let's look at the situation of Luke chapter 16, verse 1 following. Let's look at the principles that we see Jesus teaching in this passage, and let's think about our responsibility as a church. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, look at Luke chapter 16, and let's start by understanding the circumstance. We back up ever so slightly to chapter 15, verse 1, and notice the broader context of Jesus talking about the fact that he came to seek and save the lost. And the Pharisees weren't always happy with Jesus' work. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were coming near him to listen to him. But both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And it's here in Luke chapter 15 that we have the story of, of the 99 sheep that are lost, and the shepherd goes out to find them. And we have Jesus talking about his mission to go out and seek to save the lost. And it's within that same context that Jesus talks about being wise, being shrewd in serving God. But notice how he tells the story. Luke chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Now he was also saying to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager. And this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, 
I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. He summoned each one of his master's debtors and began saying to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said, Take your bill and write eighty. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. As we look at the story and Jesus' teaching, we're intrigued by the story because it seems like Jesus is giving positive praise to the behavior of this manager. Now, so we need to understand what's going on here. Jesus is telling the story and he says, look, there is this man and he was a manager. Some translations may say a chief servant, but he was much more than that. He was much more than what you and I would call a CPA, certified public accountant. But this seems to be the type of uh, position that was known in the first century as a free treasurer. And that was someone who perhaps had control of a wealthy individual's estate. And they were charged with taking care of everything in the estate, which made sure that the other servants were doing their work the appropriate way. Uh, they made sure that the children were taken and educated uh, in the Greek traditions and the way that they wanted them to be educated. But it also meant that this was an individual who had free run of the master's estate and could use and, and make expenditures at will to benefit the master's estate. As a child of the 1980s, my mind goes back to Magnum P.I. You remember Magnum P.I.? You had Magnum, who was the detective, but then you had the little strange British guy. Higgins, I think, was his name. Higgins was a free treasurer. He ran the estate for Master Robbins that nobody ever knew. And he could spend the money however he wanted. He just had to take care of the estate. And that's the type of person that's being described here. This wasn't just someone who was uh, in charge of all the other servants, but he could spend the money however he needed to spend the money to make sure that things got done in serving the master, whoever owned the estate. And so as Jesus tells the story, we have this man, and he's responsible for seeing after the master's estate, but word gets back to the master that this person is squandering your possessions. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us what he was doing. How he was squandering the possessions. Does that mean that he was misusing the possessions? 
Doesn't mean that he made some bad investments. Doesn't mean that he was spending things on himself. The text simply doesn't tell us. Jesus doesn't tell us in the story. That's not necessarily the point of the story. The man knows he's about to be fired. And he knows that he's unlikely to be hired by anyone else after they hear this person was a manager. He squandered this man's estate or his possessions. And the man says, what in the world am I going to do? Look, I'm I'm too much of a white-collar guy to go out and dig. I I can't do that. And I'm certainly not going to go out and beg. And so what does he do? The man looks at the accounts payable for his master. And he says, you know, here are some people that owe my master a lot of money. A lot of wheat, a lot of oil. Trading in commodities, things that had value and wealth in the first century. And he says, you know what, I can still get my master some of his money back, but at the same time I can rewrite these receipts and these bills and these accounts so that these people will have a lot of their debt taken away and they'll welcome me into their houses. They'll let me come and live with them. They'll come and let me serve them because I've saved them a load of money. I want you to think about the debts you might have. Maybe you don't have any debts, and that's good. But most of us at some point in our life have had some kind of debt that we wish somebody would just say, you know what, just come and cut that in half. If you've gone to college, you have a college loan, wouldn't you like the Department of Education to send you a bill or send you a note or whoever's operating, financing that debt to come and say, you know what, we're going to take half of that debt, we're just going to throw it away. We're not going to remember it anymore. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be fantastic to have a brand new car? They're expensive these days. These guys that drive around in brand new pickup trucks of $50,000, all the gadgets, I can't imagine that. But can you imagine GMAC coming and saying to you, Lou, you know what? You're such a great guy. We're just going to have half of your debt. We're just going to cut it and get away with it. Do away with it. That would be fantastic. And so Jesus says, that's what this man does. He says, I'm just going to go to uh, the, those who owe my master. We're going to cut their debt so far back that they're going to be happy to see me. They're going to let me stay with them. They're going to let me live in their households. And that's what I'm going to do. And so when the master comes, and presumably to fire this manager, he looks at what this manager has done, and he says, this person has acted Shrewdly. Jesus isn't calling the man shrewd. He's not calling the man honest. I suppose we could say, well, yes, but Jesus is telling the story, so this is his assessment. But in the story that Jesus tells, it's the owner, the master, who comes back and he says, this person has acted shrewdly. Sometimes that word shrewd in our English language has a negative connotation because it can be translated cunning. But it also simply means someone who has keen insight, being able to see through the fog, being able to see through the smoke and the haze, someone who's able 
look into a situation and better than others around them see what needs to be done having the wisdom of knowing what they need to do in that situation and this owner this master is saying as he looks at the behavior of this manager even though he's about to fire him he says this is someone who has keen insight because he was able to look through the dark and the fog and the smoke and the haze and the mess that he's created and being able to see this is what i need to do and so as jesus tells the story his accounting is that the sons of this world verse 8 Master praised the unrighteous manager because he'd acted truly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own than the sons of light. The keen insight for the manager was recognizing if I cut these other bills in half, my manager, my owner, my master still gets some of his money. But all these guys get such a deep discount that they're going to let me come and dwell with them live with them and I'll be able to maybe work in their houses maybe be a part of their households and I'll be cared for that was his insight Jesus says look the people of this world the sons of this world they know how to get things done with their own they know how to operate in this world to be successful They know how to operate in this world to be able to uh, take care of themselves. And Jesus' assessment is they are more shrewd in relation to their own than the sons of light sometimes are in relating to the people of this world. And so Jesus, remember the text says that even though he's in the broad context of of talking about serving and seeking the lost. And the Pharisees aren't happy with him. As he's teaching his disciples, he turns to his disciples and he says, as you work, as you operate, as my disciples, you need to be shrewd. You need to have insight in how to be successful in reaching the world. So think about it. principles that we look at this passage are the principles that we glean from this passage as jesus goes on to talk to his disciples he says to them here he says he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous also in much verse 10 He says in verse 9, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by the means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into internal dwellings. Jesus is saying we need to be faithful to him, to God, but at the same time, we need to understand how we can relate to the world even with the means of the wealth of unrighteousness. So he's not saying we ourselves need to conduct ourselves in unrighteousness. What he's saying is that we need to be able to use the resources that we have that people of the world can sometimes use for unrighteous things. and We need to use those resources to serve him. To be faithful in serving him. 
If somebody came up and gave you $50,000, what would you do with that $50,000? The secular person, the person living outside of God, the person unconcerned with God, may do something completely different with that $50,000. But you as a righteous person, Jesus says, take that means of unrighteousness for the world and instead use that in a way that's going to help you reach the people of the world with the gospel. Those that were at the Dave Ramsey class on Thursday night, may remember he used the illustration of a brick. He said, you can take this brick and you can throw it out of a window and smash the window. That would be an unrighteous act. Or you can take that brick and use it to build a house which would be a righteous act. And he was talking in terms of money, just like Jesus is here. The money in and of itself is not good or bad. It's neutral. It doesn't care how you use it. But Jesus says you take that brick and instead of throwing it through a window, instead of using it to do evil, instead of using it to do the things of the world, you use it to build a bridge to the world. Not to join them but to reach them with the gospel. To reach them with the truth. And so Jesus says, what I want you to know, first of all, the principle is to be faithful. Recognize that the resources we have belong to God's, and we are free to use them for His glory. They're not ours to squander. That's what this steward, this servant did. He had free use of his master's funds, and he squandered them in some way. And then he turned around, and to save his own skin, he acted with insight to say, how can I provide for myself? He still cheated his master by giving everyone a discount. But it was under his authority to give them a discount. But you see, he still cheated his master to take care of himself. And what Jesus is saying is, is you be faithful for the res- with the resources I give you, but use those things in a keen way so that the people of the world, when they see you, they're going to welcome you not into earthly dwellings, but eternal dwellings. Suggesting that you're going to use those funds in such a way that those people have eternal life. And when they see you coming, they welcome you into their eternal dwelling. Use it so that people are able to love you as someone that got rid of debt in their life. The debt, presumably here, of sin. Take advantage of opportunities to reach the lost. Even financial resources which the world would use to commit unrighteousness, unrighteous deeds, be shrewd, be cunning, be insightful, be penetrating in how to reach the lost. We need to think, if I was someone who had no idea of God, if I was someone who had no religious background, if I was someone who lived in the world and said, it's okay to be this way, what would it take to get my attention? What would it take to open a door to the gospel? We need to quit thinking sometimes. As people that have grown up 
going to church. We need to quit thinking sometimes as people who have heard the Bible story since we were little kids. We need to quit thinking sometimes as the ones who it's automatic. You get up Sunday morning and you go worship God. We need to do each and every one of those things. But Jesus says you need to be shrewd when it comes to the people of this world. To have keen insight to reach them with the gospel. Use the resources I have given you so that you can reach them with the gospel. And we need to take that time and do those things so that we can be, as God wants us to be, faithful servants. But as Jesus tells this story, he ends not just with the idea of of being faithful in verses 10 and 11, But he says that we need to serve him and not money. Verses 12 and 13. If you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will serve the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Jesus says you need to decide. Are you going to serve me? Or are you going to serve the brick? Are you going to serve the money? It's hard for us to get wrap our minds around the economy of the first century. And what it was to be a chief servant, a free accountant, a free treasurer in a wealthy person's estate. That's really the analogy that Jesus is using here. Each and every one of us is a free manager in God's estate. We don't have to worry about paying taxes. Wouldn't it be great not to have to pay taxes on your house? We don't have to do that because God owns the house. This is God's estate. We don't have to worry about uh, all the things that come with ownership. We get to live there for free. But God says, I want you to be about my business. I want you to be looking after my other servants. I want you to be caring for my people as a free treasurer would have done. And he says, if you've been entrusted with much as a servant in a wealthy person's house, estate, he says, you need to be faithful in that. You can't be partially faithful and partially not faithful. And so the principle for us as Christians is to understand God has entrusted us with much. He's entrusted us with the gospel, the means by which people can be freed from their sin and come into God's house. The amazing thing about God's house is it's never ending. It's always growing. It's always expanding. As more people come into it, the bigger it gets. And I don't have to worry about protecting my own or carving out my own niche. God says, be faithful in what you've been given. And more will be given to you. It's been entrusted to you to handle my things. How does that feel for you? To know that God loves you, God trusts you so much that he says, here, I want you to take care of this for me. 
How does it make you feel to know that God says, you know what, there are people in, in this world that are hurting, that are, that are aching, that, that have problems, that have struggles, and, well, I think you can be the one to take care of it. Or at least show them how they can come to me to have that pain and that sorrow taken away. God has entrusted you. He's entrusted the church with the gospel. And so that leads us to consider what are our responsibilities as his church, as his people. The greatest responsibility that we have as a church, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, is to go and make disciples. We've studied this many times. What does that mean? The first part of that, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You become a disciple of Christ when you are baptized. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, when we're united with Christ, we're united with Him through baptism into His death, into His burial, and into His resurrection. Paul says there in Romans chapter 6, when we were baptized with Christ, we crucify our old body of sin, and it's done away with, with Christ. And we're raised a new creature. We're raised a new person. And so part of making a disciple is baptizing them. But Jesus didn't stop there in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. He says, and teaching them to observe everything I have taught you, my disciples. And so that's our responsibility as a church. It's not our only responsibility, but that's part of our responsibility. Is to make disciples. Leading people to enter a relationship with Christ and then to know how to maintain that relationship by following the teachings of Jesus. That's our number one role. That's our number one task in this life. And then we need to do good to all people. Paul says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, whenever you have an opportunity... Do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. And so we care for each other. We should love each other. And so we have that responsibility as a church. And we must balance shrewdness and faithfulness. We have a responsibility to give of our time, give of our resources, and to give of ourselves. And that's what we need to be doing as the Benbrook Church of Christ. We need to be giving of our time. We need to be giving of our resources. We need to be giving of ourselves for the purpose of reaching the lost, being faithful servants of Christ, so that we can make contact with those who are looking for God, so that we can help them find God and enter that relationship, so that they too can live in the Master's house. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to enter the master's house. You want to have a room in his kingdom, in his household, and be his son or be his daughter. And you want to do that and you, you know that you need to be united with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. If that's what you need to do this morning, or if you have any other need that we can help you with this morning, won't you come? Just together we stand and sing.